Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here we are for Locked On Chiefs. It's Monday, December 12th, and we have plenty to talk about. These Chiefs have made a lot of progress, and at this point, they are sitting in first place in this division, the best division in football, and right now, they're in the driver's seat. We want to ask you to go out and listen to the rest of Locked On Network. There's a show for the Titans. It's next game coming up. We have that great show, Locked On NFL with Matt Williams. Go check him out. You know him well. Vinyar is doing the fantasy thing, and we have a podcast for every single team in the NFL. But right now, we got to talk about where these Chiefs are going and where they're sitting right this second. Yeah, where do you think they sit right now? You know, it was a great weekend. Not only was the Thursday night a beautiful thing to watch, and and – I got a lot of criticism for my headline on the following day, and I still stick by it. The Chiefs smashed that Raiders team in the first half. The well, loss of DJ sent him. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. The loss of DJ sent him into a tailspin. I fully admit that. But they were beating that team more soundly than they've beaten anybody else this season in that first half. Yeah, and then the play calling changed. True. We will get to that, folks. First, we're going to focus on the man. This might be the biggest single loss this team has experienced since Jamal Charles. To try and put into words what Derek Johnson means to this defense is a tall, tall order. Not only does he do what he does, make plays in the back, make plays across the field side to side, but the man runs the defense. Yes, Eric Berry's calling the coverages in the back. He's getting guys aligned, and that's true. Derek Johnson wears the green dot. He calls the defense. That's who the coaches speak through. And losing him is a significant blow to this defense. Well, there's no way to argue that. I mean, it's it's a huge loss, and uh, it's something that Kansas City's got to find a way to get past, and they got to find a way to get past it quickly because, unfortunately, they face the one of the best running teams in the NFL on Sunday. Well, and if you didn't catch it on Instagram, Derek's already had surgery. It's been repaired. He is in recovery mode now. I uh, posted a, a picture on Instagram of, of him ready to go. And here's the thing that really strikes me out uh, about Derek Johnson. And he's had an interesting career for this team. He is the leading tackler for this team. He's also a guy who's been benched for this team. As much as I hate to admit it, there's a point in his career where you have to thank Todd Haley, of all people, for getting Derek to the Pro Bowl level that he's at. Well, you can hate it. You can hate to say it all you want, but Derek Johnson would not be the player that he is right now if it wasn't for Todd Haley. So uh, I will come out and say that, and I'm sure there's going to be, be people that really don't like that, but guess what? It's the truth. I think it is too. And here's the thing. He's made that recovery. He's been Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl after all that happened. And what he's told the media, specifically Ed Werder from ESPN, 
that he was going to have the surgery, which he has already done. He is repaired. He's in recovery mode now. And his quote was, my job, quote unquote, my job is now to help this team get a ring any way possible, unquote. What that says to me is that he's ready to take over a kind of player coach role while he's on iron, unable to be on the field. Yeah, that just shows you the type of player he is, which it doesn't surprise me at all. Derek Johnson's always been that way. Uh, and he's he will easily go down as one of my favorite Chiefs of all time just because of the type of player he is in general. And, you know, I, I have to say I feel the same way. And Andy Reid had an interesting conversation with Trez Paler. And, and you all know that we've talked to Trez before. And he does a hell of a job getting down to the bottom line of what's going on behind the scenes. And Derek's expressed interest in coaching after his playing career is over. And Reed came back with a, a couple of really, really significant comments that I think have flown under the radar a little bit in, in the, the basking glow of this win over Oakland. Um, quote, unquote, he said, you can start on coaching right now. You get a chance to sit back and see it from the side, which is quote, un, un, unquote there which is a different perspective than he's used to. And it's something I think it's going to be very beneficial for him down the line. Uh, but Reed also went on to say that, you know, I want him around here. I don't want him going anywhere. He's going to do his rehab and he's going to get him back into shape where he can play. But in the meantime, he can work on a little coaching here and help some of our young guys. And I think that is just gold in the bank when it comes to helping this really, really young, especially with March out and with Malga out, this really, really young inside linebacker group. Well, and he's going to have to be, he's going to have to be that guy. And that's not, and understand everybody that we're not trying to take anything away from Gary Gibbs. Gary Gibbs is a fantastic coach, but you know, DJ Alexander, who is probably going to be the guy that takes Derek's place uh, or Frank Zombo, they're going to need all the help they can get. And Gary Gibbs has to deal with all the linebackers and there's nothing wrong with DJ going and helping uh, for that specific group. You know, and I think keeping him around this team, especially while he's doing rehab is a bonus for those guys. You know, there's an emotional investment that the rest of that inside linebacker group has with him as their leader. And you, and you can see in some of the comments they've already made that, you know, DJ Alexander is specifically saying that, you know, watching Derek go down, it's heartbreaking. He's a guy and I want nothing to happen to anybody, but a guy like Derek, it's a tremendous leader that we all look up to. And that's really says a lot about where he can still have influence, even from the sidelines. Yeah, he's going to have a huge influence. I have no doubt that he's going to be able to get in those guys' ears. He's going to be able to see things that he normally wouldn't see. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I think what's really going to be tough is that I don't think he's going to be able to be on the sidelines. Uh, with his injury, with his recovery, I think he's going to have to be up in the press box. But that might be giving, that might actually be a very big benefit for him. Oh, I love the idea of having the, the hawk's eye view of what's going on in that field. And if he can get in the headset, especially knowing that he has to talk to either probably my guess is Rameek Wilson, unless they make a signing here. You know, we're recording this Sunday night. We're getting into Monday. If the Chiefs decide to bring in a, a veteran free agent signing, you know, maybe to run this defense, that's something that 
maybe Gary Gibbs stays in the headset, but but putting Derek in the headset, I think, is probably even a, a better idea because he has both fields of view in terms of what he's looking at and what he can key in on and let those guys know. Yeah, I, I think it could be huge. I, you know, I would like him on the sidelines, but at the same time, regardless of headset or not, you got, you can communicate with your guys. They've got phones. They've got ways to communicate. You can make sure that that happens regardless. Now, I want to be upfront and frank with everybody that's listening. There's a lot of speculation about what's going to go on with Derek long-term. I do not expect that this is the end of Derek Johnson's career. The only thing that I throw out there as, as a possible maybe is that his contract is such that maybe they have to look at redoing that in order for him to remain a chief. I don't know what's going to go on, but they're looking at some down the line uh, cap issues, trying to squeeze out every dollar they can. You might see a restructure. You might see something else, but I do not think Derek Johnson is done playing this game. No, I don't think he is at all. I, I, I don't think that's even a thought in his mind that he's never going to be back and playing. Uh, I fully expect that he will be back. I don't know when, uh, obviously, but I, I fully expect that he's going to be back and he's going to be playing next year for Kansas city. Um, and again, who knows as to when that's going to be. He's got a long recovery. Uh, I somewhat wish that I, I don't wish that any player was has to be with him through the recovery, but I wish he had somebody like a Mike DeVito like he had the last time. Although it sounds like he's the reason that Mike DeVito was able to come back. So maybe he has enough on his own that he can take care of it himself. And, you know, I think he's got enough outside support that, He's a guy that can do that recovery, especially having gone through it before on the other leg, that I think he's going to be just fine. Now, what we have to slide to is getting ready for these Titans and talk about what happened last week against the Raiders. And there's one guy in particular that I know stands out to me and you and Seth, and we might as well start talking about him now because there's big question marks about who's going to continue to play opposite Marcus Peters. Yeah, you have to think it's going to be Terrence Mitchell, uh, which is a, a complete surprise to me. And I would think it'd be a complete surprise to a lot of people just because the question a couple weeks ago is who is Terrence Mitchell? And is he ever <laughs> going to be, I mean, is he ever going to see the field? Uh, you know, he came out and I hate to compare him to this guy. And I only do it because of the way he played, not necessarily their type of play, but he came out a lot like Marcus Cooper did just completely out of nowhere. Uh, so I, I do think that there is a legitimate chance that he is the starter outside of on the opposite side of Peters going forward. And thankfully you've got another week that he can go and play and get ready and prepare because he's going to need to be ready when Kansas city takes on Denver in Kansas city in a couple weeks. Now, when you watched him play, a, he was targeted pretty consistently uh, for the game. He played 72 snaps, 96% of those snaps on defense. So Peters played 100% of the game. He was right there next to him, the next guy in line. You didn't see much out of gains, and you had Nelson in there as well. Uh, a little bit of a more rotational type deal, but I was surprised to see Mitchell do that much playtime, and he performed well, though, didn't he? Yeah, uh, three targets for 14 yards, I think, is what the stat was. Um, or, sorry, three receptions for 14 yards. I don't remember how many times he was targeted. It was ridiculously high, though. Uh, I, you know, Mariota is probably going to throw at him a lot. 
But if he can do anything like what he did against the Raiders, uh, watch out because I don't know how you're going to be able to move the ball in the air in, in Kansas City against Kansas City. Uh, you know, and honestly, you know, well, this is something that we're going to end up talking to Kenneth Goyd about tomorrow. I think is that you know Tennessee needs to run the ball because that's where Kansas City's got to figure out how to fix it. That's fair. But knowing that you have Mitchell on that outside, and he got two passes defensed, uh, second only to Steven Nelson, who it's great to see Nelson continue his play. Peters is Peters. And, and at this point in his sophomore season, we all know that they're going to take a couple of shots, and that's really going to be it. It's the second and the third corners that they're going to target. And whether it's Gaines, Nelson, now Mitchell, the rotation is those guys are making plays. Uh, Mitchell ended up saving that game. I mean, maybe not saving is the right word, but putting an end to their run at it by making that PBU down there towards the end zone. And that gives you a nice, solid four cornerback rotation. Plus, you got DJ White in the background. Well, and if you want to talk about saving the game, uh, I don't think you can look past uh, what Steven Nelson did in the end zone. No. Time after time tested and he came up. I thought it was one of his better contests this whole season. Now I still see him progressing really well. Yeah, no. And I think that he's going to play a pivotal role going forward. Uh, you know, and if you start looking at, and I, and I really don't want to get into the playoff talk too, too much, but if Kansas city wins, even if they just went to the next three, they're still more than likely going to be the number two seed. Um, they're going to get a week off. Uh, you know, you, you get into the fact of if they can win the next two games, do you let them? Do you let the the starters out in the third game? Um, just knowing where the different teams are right now. But then you look at, you know, who are they going to possibly face in the playoffs? Uh, you know, you you've got Pittsburgh. Uh, that's a good possibility. You've got Houston. That's a good possibility. Um, you got another chance of maybe playing Derek Carr, uh, maybe, and maybe, and maybe it's Denver. So there's a couple of good receiver receiving cores that they need to really be ready for come playoff time. Now this weekend was a good weekend for the AFC West. You saw everybody but the Chiefs lose. So yeah, Denver's an outside chance, but I think w- what you said about Pittsburgh in particular, uh, as well as Houston, who've proven to be two of the the worst matchups the Chiefs can imagine in terms of how they performed lately. You know, these are significant issues that they have to be prepared for. And having that third corner is really something that they're going to have as an advantage for both of them. Now, I'm not saying Mitchell can keep up with it with a Fuller or with an Antonio Brown, but it gives you options. And I think what you've seen from the Chiefs is both that Bob Sutton's been able to play different shells uh, and go to that that cover two, that double safety deep, which I think works. You've seen him play some quarters. You've seen him stay tough in man and actually jam a receiver or two, which I know we've both been looking for the entire season. And we finally saw a little bit of it. Yeah. And that was very, that was very, um, that was a great thing to see. I was very happy that Kansas city was able to start jamming receivers and actually start playing more physical because that is what they need to do if they want to be successful moving forward. When I look at this Titans matchup, I think Kansas City definitely has the advantage in the air, not only on defense, but on offense. Nobody on that Titans roster can keep up with Tariq Hill. 
Uh, quite honestly, I don't think anybody can keep up with Chris Conley either. And he saw a lot of spark from Chris Conley the other night. Not only did he have that nice run down the sideline where he got behind the defense and, and Smith gave him a perfect pass, but he was able to ad-lib as well on that scramble where Alex almost crossed the line of scrimmage but but faded back. And not only did Chris make that, that catch, but his yak on that particular play was really, really nice. And I think what you see is he's he's coming along. And as much as we've been wanting for him to uh, improve his his portion of the offense, uh, I think you saw glimpses of that the other night. Yeah, I think he's looking better. I think, you know, what's really going to be interesting to me is what is uh, Kansas City able to do when Jeremy Macklin is ready? Because, and I'm not trying to take away from Conley, but when Macklin's ready and he's ready to go and he's taking double coverage and he's getting open, he's going to open up stuff for Chris Conley that Chris Conley hasn't seen since Macklin went down. Let's just be honest. I mean, Conley's seen coverages that he's not going to see on a regular basis because Jeremy Macklin hasn't been on the field. Yes, they have to take away, they have to try to take away Travis Kelsey, but when you don't have somebody like Jeremy Macklin across from you and you're not quite there yet as, as, a guy that can be that number one. And like I said, yet, uh, then that's something that's going to slow you down. And, and you know, it stinks, but that's the way it is. He doesn't have Tyree kill speed. He has great speed, but it's not Tyree kill speed. Right, right. It's above average, but it's not Tyree kill. And here's the thing is, you know, <laughs> he had two catches for 70 yards against the Raiders. You know, that's that's the best single performance of any wide receiver this season in terms of average yards per reception. So, He's still got that spark. And like you said, I don't think he's ready for number one primetime. But now that Macklin's back and Jeremy caught his one target, he caught it for 16 yards on a first down. It was a beautiful thing, but he's no, not 100 he percent. yet. He's still twice. working back. Officially, the NFL listed as one, but I remember that play and I know what you're talking about. I think what you're seeing is is that was a warm up and they didn't need to go to him more than that. So I don't think they pushed it. I expect him to play a little bit more against Tennessee, and that's going to be a good matchup for him. And I think that will get him into a rhythm, and he'll be ready for the the runs down the stretch of the season. Well, and, you know, Kansas City has really got a big decision to make, and they got to figure it out by probably Wednesday at the latest this week if they're, if they're, it's not going to be done tomorrow. Uh, we are recording Sunday night for Monday's show. Uh you know, they've got to fill DJ spot and who they do that with. You know, there's several names out there that actually intrigue me just a little bit. Yes, I know they're probably a little bit beyond uh, what you would normally want this time of year. But, you know, James Laurinaitis or A.J. Hawk, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing those guys picked up. They might not be able to contribute right away, but I would think they'd be solid enough against the run. Um, they're not going to be DJ, but nobody's going to be DJ. And you got to have somebody back there that has some experience. I agree with you. Personally, I'd like, if you're going to bring in a veteran, I'd like to see Laurinaitis. I think he can call the defense and at least be solid against the run. I'm not sure Hawk is up to that task. And I think that if they're going to do that, and I'm not, I'm not sold that they're going to, but I'm fairly certain that you're not going to see Marshall Lilliard back. Because I think they're holding out that one slot to return from IR for Jamal Charles. And I think they want him in the playoffs. And, and honestly, I'm very, very eager to see that as well. Well, and that's a huge thing. And the more and more I think about it, the more and more I realize how big it is. Because if there's one thing that Kansas City's offense has really struggled with ever since Iyengar went down is they've not been able to run. And if they can get to the point where they have a strong running game again, uh, it 
I'm not going to say it's not going to matter that they can't stop the run, but it becomes much less of an issue because if they can run the ball, it's not going to matter if another team can run the ball or not because Kansas City is still going to be able to throw the ball because of the weapons they have, and they're going to be able to uh, run the ball with Jamal Charles like he hasn't been able to do yet. They haven't been able to do yet this year, so it's going to be something to watch. Yeah, it's it's very, very evident how much anger, even as a rookie, is missed in this offense. So if he can recover fully from his knee, I think there's good things to look forward to in Kansas City for the run game for the next couple of years. Uh, you might see another guard in the draft. You can never have enough, really, in, in that particular position in terms of pulling, getting out on the edges. But Parker Anger has a future in Kansas City, and we should all be looking forward to that. As for what's going to go on in Tennessee, I think we're going to get deeper into tomorrow with Kenneth Goyt. Uh, he's going to go over the, the quarterback rating system that he has that is phenomenal versus you know the QBR or the average NFL passer rating. And we're going to get deeper in with some of our guests and see what we can find out on the inside here the rest of the week. So thank you for listening to us today. We're going to go as far as we can with this, and we'll talk to you more tomorrow. And just to throw out a little bit of a nugget, a nugget for a uh, for all those Chiefs fans that are Raider haters, uh, you want to pay attention because uh, the QPR that Kenneth Goy talks about, we're going to be asking him about how um, Mr. Carr did against Kansas City this year. Very enlightening stuff. Thank you, all Chiefs fans. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. What if AI could help your agency deliver mission critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your agency can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your agency. Learn more at ibm.com federal. IBM. Let's create.